Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dig In podcast. Um, so excited today to be welcoming Justin Prey, the Senior Customer Insights Manager at Aurora Cannabis. Justin, how are you? How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me today, Megan. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking to someone in Insights that works in such an exciting space. I think we all know that this industry is exploding right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the industry itself, the challenges of working in the category, but also the opportunities, what it takes to win with customers, and how the the cannabis industry is innovating. So without further ado, Justin, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Aurora Cannabis? Yeah, sure. So I'm Justin Prey. I'm the uh, Senior Manager of Consumer Insights at Aurora. We have a very small, lean team here. Um, We're passionate about cannabis and we're passionate about um, cannabis consumers. So, you know, as as a small insights team in a rather large company, we have a long list of stakeholders, everything from brand, marketing, product development, um, strategy, um, the list goes on. So it's it's a really exciting space. It's a really exciting you know company to be working for. A lot of great people here um, who are all just super passionate about cannabis consumers. Very cool. Um, and how long has Aurora been around for? Oh, that's a good question. You're testing me on my Aurora knowledge. <laughs> I believe it's it's been around for quite a while because um, uh, medical cannabis has been around for quite a while. Canamed is part of the Aurora family, and they were the first licensed producer in Canada to get a license to sell cannabis to medical patients. So um, we've been in, in the industry um, since, since the beginning of legalization in Canada. Very cool. Um, yeah, for anyone who's kind of new to the space or doesn't know a lot about it, do you want to tell us a little bit about just the difference between medical and recreational distribution? Yeah, for sure. And I should also mention that at the beginning, what's super interesting about this job is that, you know, we have the recreational or adult use side, but we also have um, this medical business, which is just um, fascinating um, and pretty amazing what they do. So big difference in distribution there. Um, on the medical side, it's, it's very much a direct-to-consumer model in that a patient will register with us via a cannabis educator or a um, cannabis clinic, um, order order their medicine directly from our website, and then we ship it directly to their home. Um, on the direct side, it's it's uh, you know a lot more different ways of distribution there. I mean, there's the it, it varies by province, it, uh, whether it's private or run by the provincial government. Um, it's a mix of online, it's a mix of in-store, it's a mix of delivery, um, a ton of different ways to, to dis- dis- distribute there. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating industry uh, with both those different angles. And has the industry changed in the last couple of years? Um, 
yeah, I'm not as close to it as I'm sure you are, given the fact yeah. that you work in insights within within yeah. this space. But what's different about it um, the last sort of two to five years? Yeah, it's it's always changing. That that's what's kind of remained the same about it is that it's constantly changing. There's never a dull moment. Um, it moves quickly. Um, yeah, it's 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 always excited exciting so thinking about the adult use or recreational side you know thinking about our consumer how they purchase cannabis has changed a lot since legalization and it's changed a lot since the legacy market um you know thinking back to when cannabis was initially legalized and thinking about ontario um you had no retail stores it was online only the whole model was different. So a consumer who's used to, you know, having a, a dealer that they trust come and deliver a product that they trust is now exposed to brands, exposed to new pricing, um, exposed to new nomenclature when it comes to purchasing. So um, yeah, it's been a massive change over the last couple of years. Now looking at Canada, there are hundreds of stores. If you you know, it's, it's in any city, I think if you're walking down a main street, you're going to see a lot of retail locations. Um, and that's kind of adjusting how, how consumers are shopping um, and what products they're purchasing. Yeah, I mean, I recently moved to Toronto um, and even on my, <laughs> on my COVID sanctioned walks, just walking around, it's just everywhere. Um, I yeah. haven't lived any, in any other Canadian cities in the last sort of 10 years, but I imagine it's not just Toronto where it's like that. So it is really just no. blowing up, um, yeah. which is yeah. really cool. I'm sure a very exciting space to work in. So- Yeah, I think I think from a, from a consumer perspective, it, it's having so many retail locations. I mean, there are a lot, but they're more welcoming for consumers. I think it's easier for a new consumer to walk into a store and talk to someone versus totally. you know, research online. Uh, to figure out what product is going to work for them to achieve whatever they want to um, achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we think about the work that you do, how would you say that consumer insights or working in that space is um, different working in the cannabis sector, ca cannabis category, excuse me, um, from working yeah. in consumer insights within, say, like a CPG company or... Um, even like a quick serve restaurant category. Yeah, big difference. So I've worked, I, I've worked on the, the client side at a telecom and then at a, at a uh, research vendor. So, so I have a lot of experience with those different industries. You know, I, I'd say the one, there are a ton of differences. The one that really stands out for me is that there's no real established sources of truth, like POS data, um, sales data. Right now, you know, right now, all that data is very fragmented. It exists out there, but it comes from different sources, sometimes a, a vendor, sometimes a province. Um, but there's no there's no ultimate source of truth as to what is what is selling or not. Um, mm. So that's that that that's a that's a big challenge and a big difference from CPG where um, there there are you know, options out there to determine what's actually selling, who's buying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that one really stands out. The, you know, we've had to build everything from the ground up. I've been here for three years. I started right before legalization. All those basics like <clears throat> brand tracking, market tracking, 
Um, you know, it's starting from scratch, um, which is which is a challenge, but also a lot of fun, um, a great challenge. And I'm trying to think, oh, a third one I'd say is the consumer. Um, I think that the difference between the traditional CPG or QSR and cannabis is that no matter how experienced our cannabis consumers are, they are still learning in this new model. Like I said before, you can you could be a longtime consumer of cannabis. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to walk into a new retail store and know know what you want, know what know how to shop. Um, there's a difference between asking your dealer what do you got that's good and walking into a cannabis store and seeing 50 brands um, and trying to decide between that. So, so I'd say that's another big difference, I guess, consumer knowledge for new consumers and experienced consumers. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I would imagine from a marketing and branding perspective, there's, um, if you've got 50 different options when you walk into a retail store, that must be a little bit challenging for the on the branding side um yeah you know do you how have do you any thoughts out? yeah how do you stand out do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean it's a massive challenge so so i we know this from the dig cannabis tracker um you know there's not a lot of brand awareness for for most of the brands out there um it's a real real challenge to stand out in this market um think of, you know, I like to put our stakeholders in the shoes of a consumer, like on day one, showing up to a store, so excited that they can legally walk to the corner um, and, and buy a new product. Uh, and then you're kind of bombarded by, I mean, maybe 50 brands that are available in that store. It's so overwhelming. All of these, all of these brands and LPs are trying to create that, you know, trying to hit that sweet spot of brand loyalty or brand affinity. Uh, but it's super difficult in a in a um, a super crowded uh, market. I mean, I could probably name eighty brands off the top of my head, and that's that's wow. not all of them. Um, and you know, each week, each month, there are loads of new brands. So yeah. crazy. Um, so, yeah. is, are there any brands that you think are doing particularly well that kind of do stand out with in regards to their marketing well, or branding? Yeah, well, I'm a little biased. Um, yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Makes more, sense. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I have an affinity for San Rafael 71. Um, it's a brand that we created um, that started with a consumer segmentation, you know, you know, really digging down to who our target customer, who they are, what they want, why they should choose us over others um how do we how do how do we communicate that to them etc cetera, etc cetera. um so that 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 and again i am biased but it's definitely my 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 favorite brand the the strains that are available are all awesome and we have some like new live resin that is just so tasty um and and really high quality at like an incredible um price so I, i'm definitely biased there <laughs> but I, i've been working for San Rafa for a couple of years and, and still love it Awesome. So it sounds like you, you know, from a, from, from your perspective, uh, linking the customer insights or consumer insights that you're gathering with your marketing and branding initiatives are super important. Like 
from a branding yeah. perspective, we talked about using that customer segmentation and really, really working it to make sure that the brand stands out. Can you tell me a little bit about your approach to customer insights or consumer insights uh, within your role? Yeah. So, so for me, I mean, I think, you know, customer insights always starts with a solid understanding of your consumer target or targets in, in our space, because we're a pretty large IPLP, we have multiple targets, multiple brands, et cetera. But I think, you know, for me, no matter what I do, if you start with a solid understanding of who that target is, what exactly they want, what we can provide over others, um, how we can deliver that to them, how do we, how do we communicate to them, um, once you have a solid understanding of that, that kind of bleeds over into product development and into innovation. If you really understand what makes your consumer tick, um, then you can understand how to innovate to meet their evolving needs. So, so for me, it, it always starts with a, um, a solid uh, segmentation, solid idea of who your consumer is. Um, I'd also say that, you know, uh, as a client-side researcher, in a very fast paced industry, I do rely on DIY research tools a lot. Um, we need to be agile. And when I say agile, I just don't, I don't just mean cheap and quick. Um, I mean like solutions where, where I can easily build research studies very quickly, change it on the fly as we quickly collect feedback from different stakeholders, um, make adjustments um, even during field see results right away, um, you know, that, that's that been really important to me in, in, in how we, um, I guess, and how we deliver insights within a fast changing company or growing company. Um, it's a really good point um, because obviously, so not obviously for everyone, but Aurora does work with DIG quite closely on some of those more strategic mm -hmm. initiatives. Um, and then you've got some smart people in house, um, and then you've yeah. got sort of the the platforms that you're that you're leveraging from a res tech perspective. Yeah. We actually just released a report um, that kind of compiles some insight leaders' feedback on how you select DIY platforms, mm. um, how you select different technology partners. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of you know from your perspective, uh, what does a good technology partner look like from yeah. an insights perspective? That's that's a really good question. It's, it, it's, it's, it's still new to me. Um, mm. You know, I've been working DIY for a couple years now, but the process is so different from the traditional process where it's like, hey, look, we have this one project. Here are the objectives. Give us a recommendation. Give us a price. We'll give you a yes or no, and then we'll do it. Um, so what are we looking for with technology? That, that's, a, that's a great question because a lot of the platforms are SaaS based um, and subscription based. Mm. It's so it's 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 a it's a challenge to. So first, it's a challenge to sell it internally because you're not selling an insight; you're selling a platform to gather insights, which is which, more work for which is, is a lot. Why? Yeah, which is a lot more work. So. Yeah. Uh, when I'm talking to, to, to providers with a platform, my first question is, can we run a demo? Can we run a proof of concept? I, for me, at least in my position, I need to physically show stakeholders like what this product is going to do 
and how it's going to help us. That's just, you know, something that, 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 that I find it's easy, makes it much easier to convince stakeholders to, you know, provide, provide support there. Yeah. Um, in terms of technology, um, it needs to be intuitive. It needs to work well. It needs to have a good user interface. If it's, if it's difficult to work with and finicky, um, if I need to rely on a programmer, if I need to constantly be programming something custom, um, that, that's a big barrier as well. So it needs to be intuitive, uh, a good UX, and um, it, needs to, it, needs, it needs to have a lot of features. Um, mm. It can't just be a simple, simple survey platform. Yeah, really cool. Um, and then you kind of alluded to it, but on that note, with the DIY platforms that you use, do you like to do within your team, do you like to um, program everything yourself or is it for other stakeholders to use as well? So marketing or product development or innovation? Yeah, a, a bit of both. Um, I like to program myself or someone on my team program. Um, I mean, if it's, it, it all depends on the stakeholder and the, the mm. business objectives. I mean, I'll give you an example, um, you know, internally, if it's something internal, um, you know, we, we sent out a survey every time we have a town hall that I've handed over to comms, they manage that. That's great. If, you know, if it's, if it's something that's going to inform a product decision, you know, inform a big business decision, then then I mean, yeah, you know, we like to to uh, program that and be be closely involved. Um, so yeah, it's not necessarily a, a free for all with this product. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes sense. I think that's yeah. pretty common um, from what I've heard through doing those interviews with with other people in insights. Is if it's like a big sort of strategic shift or a big mm. change to the business, you want to you want to be close to the research and actually programming it. Right. So that checks yeah. out. All right, so we're gonna zoom out a little bit now. And um, with the cannabis industry kind of at large, if we're looking at it as a, as a space in and of itself, how do you think the industry needs to, to innovate? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think in three years, we've come a really long way, you know, or we're approaching three years since, since legalization. Um, innovations, you know, you constantly see these new products being added. Uh, at retail locations and online, whether it's a freezy, some cool beverage, um, or like a really, really incredible live resin at a, at a good price. So um, I think the key to innovation in this industry is balancing those, those high, high hard ones, new products like freezies with short-term innovation that meets our most passionate consumer needs. So yeah, like I mentioned, introducing new ca categories, um, it's fantastic moves the industry forward and it welcomes in new consumers who may be interested in those new formats. But while we innovate, we can't forget about our most passionate consumers and what their needs are. So these are our consumers that, um, you know, want the best live resin at a good price. They want new cultivars with unique sensory attributes that they've never experienced before that hit hard. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun to see all the the new, new the net new category innovation, but let's not forget about our core consumer and how we can meet their needs. 
All right. Unfortunately, we are almost out of time. Dustin, it has been such a pleasure to talk to someone who's so well-informed in a space that personally is pretty new to me. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course. If you were to leave the listener with one final piece of information about anything we touched on today, what would it be? Yeah, I think just just from my my couple of years of experience in the space, I think my one key piece of information or learning is to really focus on that core consumer, that core passionate cannabis consumer. I think there's always a need to be pulled into this direction where you're kind of building products and building messaging for this aspirational um, cannabis consumer. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to you know understand who your consumer is and what they want. That may require you to you know break some of the stigma, um, in, you know embrace some of these stereotypes, I guess, um, and, and really know what what consumer you are um, ultimately serving. Awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. If anyone wants to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Uh, probably on LinkedIn, Justin Prey. Pretty unique last name, so I'm sure it's easy to find me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, we'll catch everyone next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.